You see that, um, that message up on the board? You want to write that down. Uh, you can go there to that site, download the app, and it will guide you through reading through the entire Bible for the year. Okay? We usually sometimes hand out forms that guide you through that. And my goal this year is to read through the Bible for the first time in my life. <laughs> you, those of you who know me, I usually read through the Bible usually anywhere five to seven times a year. And, um, and then meditate on it, study it, and do all kinds of other things. But um, this will give you, how many of you have ever read through the Bible completely? You don't need to raise your hands, but think about that. I mean, I meet Christians who say they've never read through the Bible before, and they've been in the Lord for 20 years. That's, that's a shame. You know, I mean, God has given us his, his living word. So, um, great site. Uh, they're advertising. They're all over the internet. They're all over TV. And we're lowering the heat because um, it's getting kind of warm in here, right? Yeah. Maria, you... Okay. So I'm going to share a word with you today called Making Myself Useful for the Master in 2023. Making Myself Useful for the Master in 2023. And we're going to go to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20 through 22. Stand with me for the reading of the word. Actually, I'm going, to, I'm going to go and I'm going to read just the first two verses here. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20 through 21. The word of the Lord says, But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the later, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Father, I, I pray, Lord God, that you would open up our hearts and minds, Lord God, to your word today and to the opportunity we have. Lord God, we've got 365 days ahead of us. It's a clean slate. It's a, Lord God, white canvas, a fresh start to make our life count for you, to make our life count for eternal things, Lord God. And Father, I pray, Lord God, that you would just, Lord, be with us teaching us, ministering to us. May it, it, it be your word that is heard and received here this morning. And Lord God, may it all be for your glory and your honor. In the name of Jesus, amen. You can be seated. So you look, look here, there are two types of vessels, right, that, that are described. And they're kind of vessels, it's talking about in your house you have pitchers, uh, you have cups, you have bowls. And the idea here is some here are made of gold and silver, some are made of wood and clay. Some are used for dishonor, some are used for honor. And then when you come to verse 21, here's the, here's the challenge. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the later, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. So the, the challenge is that we can make ourselves of value. We can make ourselves useful to God. Now, I don't know what your goals are. I know it's New Year's resolution time. Uh, my goal, my objective, my major mission in 2023, and I'm really going to speak to you from my heart about me. This is uh, a message that really God has placed upon my heart for my life in 2023, is to make myself useful to the Master. To grow, to continuously improve. The Japanese call it kazian, 
the continuous and never-ending, in fact, you can write that down, can I, continuous and never-ending improvement to maximize my potential to get better, to be better, to do better in 2023 than I have done in past years. In, in Philippians, that's a comparative verse, Philippians chapter 2, 12 through 13, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do uh, for his good pleasure. I want, you, I want you to notice, for it is God who works in you. And God is going to work in you in 2023. He's going to work in you continuously. He's, he's going to inspire you. He's going to motivate you. He's going to compel you to grow and to be and to do the things that he's called you to do. He's, he's going to be doing it. He's going to use all things, whether it's the good, the bad, or the ugly, for all things work together for the good of those who have been called, right, to the Lord in Christ Jesus, right, called according to his purpose, right, and who essentially love him. He's going to be using all the things. And again, some of the things may be painful. Some of the things may be difficult, some of the things may be wonderful. They may be mountaintop experiences, and other times they may be experiences that you have down in the valley with demons. But he's going to use all those things to mold you and to shape you and to conform you into his image. Now, that is what God is going to do. Now, notice the first part. It says, work out your own salvation. So there is a human side to this, not only a divine side. We need to cooperate. We need to put forth effort. And the word there, work, work, it, it, it means effort, labor. It, it means that you may have to sweat a little bit. Sometimes work is hard, right? It says work out. How many of you work out? Right, when you work out, it's not always easy, Joe, right? It's not always, it's painful at times. But we love it, right? We're kooky and crazy. But when you work out, right, it's, it's hard. It can, be, it can be difficult. It can be challenging. So we are to work out our salvation while God is working in us. So again, the human side and the divine side. So I want to share with you four, these are four principles that I have learned and um, that I really live by. And these are four principles that I'm going to be applying to my life in 2023, so that I may grow, that I may be useful to the Lord, and make my life count. Okay, the first one, remove your logs first. I'm not talking about evacuating in the morning, okay? That's good too. <laughs> when I put that, I thought, that's a very healthy thing to do, by the way, to move your logs first in the morning. <laughs> but remove, remove your logs first. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7, 1 through 5, Judge not that you be not judged, for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye and look at the plank that is in your own eye? Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye. And then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Well, that is, that is a challenge directly from the lips of the Lord that essentially we need to make ourselves better 
right, before we are going to go and try to help others to be better. So the, the concept here, remove, in fact, the, the word is logjam. Remove the logjam from your eye. Remove, remove that, that log that is in your eye before you attempt to help someone else remove the lint from their eye. Right? I need to remove my logs first if I am going to be able to help people to remove their logs. By the way, I can't remove anybody's specks. We can't change people. I don't know if you realize that. You ever see people always going around, they're always trying to change people, manipulate people? It, it, you can't do that. It doesn't work. In fact, let me say this. God can't change people unless they are willing and want to be changed. So the, the, the idea, again, I have to be working on me before I can go and, again, help someone else. So before I try to guide someone... I need to make sure I'm guiding myself. Before I try to help someone, I need to make sure that I'm helping myself. Before I give advice to someone, hey, am I practicing the advice that I'm about to give them? So we start with us. Now, I want to I show, show you something. This is um, a, a key concept. As I work with people, as I work with people you know, weekly here at the church, as well as in, in a business. I have a coaching business. And um, it's, it's best when you go to change just to start with one thing. Because my experience is, is that 95% of people, okay, here today, cannot change more than one thing at a time. 5%, and there's a very rare group of people who can change a number of things, who can change a multiple things, but most people, when, when they are given multiple things to do or to change, they, they basically can't do it. So the idea here is, Jesus here, he says, remove the plank. Let's do one plank at a time. Because if you try to move 20 planks at the same time, and you probably can identify 20 planks in your life, you're going to find that it's very difficult. So, New Year's resolutions. How many of you have, have made New Year's resolutions? How many of you are afraid to lift your hand because somebody may see it and... Right, just lift up your hands if you have New Year's resolutions. How many of you set goals for 2023? Good. Okay. Goals, resolutions. So you set a goal, right? And people have goals now. I'm going to lose 20 pounds. I'm going to exercise daily. I'm going to be nicer to my spouse. I'm going to stop drinking. I'm going to stop smoking. Right? I'm going to be a better person. I'm going to read the Bible every day. I'm going to give my tithes. I'm going to be consistent in my worship. Right? We said, said all these, these resolutions. Let me just say this to you. By halftime at the Rose Bowl this afternoon, five of those resolutions... <laughs> Have, have already failed. And New Year's resolutions, 85% of New Year's resolutions are basically done and thrown to the side by January 15th. So people, I used to be in the fitness business. This time of the year, man, this is the time we made money this time of the year. People coming in, right? They want to lose. I've had this morning driving, everybody's out running and walking. Watch how long that lasts for, Right? 
So we set a bunch of things to do, a bunch of resolutions. So we set a bunch of goals. All I'm saying is start with one thing. Think of this. If you made one change a month for the next 12 months, right? you, you develop maybe a number of new habits, you stop doing certain things that are, that are destructive to you, maybe to other people. Think about what an improvement you would have at the end of 2020. Just one, one additional thing, right? Added uh, a habit, a, a very productive habit or a change, what kind of a difference would that make? Now, again, it's great saying this, and maybe you're going to go and you're going to try it, but I want to show you, I want to show you something. There was a book, well, probably one of the most influential books that I read last year. I read, read pretty much consistently two or three books a week. And this was a book called Atomic Habits. Great book by James Clear. And um, in it, what, what, what James talks about is people who set goals... Okay, people who set goals, only 14% of them actually pursue the goal, not even accomplish it. So they, they set a goal, but only 14% will actually pursue it. So what he found was that people who set a goal and define essentially what they're going to do, when they're going to do it, okay, and where they're going to do it, that it goes from 14% to 84%. I just want you to think about that. That's a 70% difference. So when you, when, you, when you set a goal, you define what you're going to do, when you're going to do it, right, and where you're going to do it. So you, you, maybe you, you, you set a goal that you're going to begin to exercise. And you're going to say, okay, I'm going I'm to begin to I'm gonna exercise three days a week. And I'm going to do it at, you know, Gold's Gym in Paramus. I don't even know if it's still there. And I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it every morning at 6 o'clock. That's going to increase, just by doing that, that will increase the odds of you being able to do that by 70%. I'm going to read the Bible. Okay, how much of the Bible are you going to do, right? I'm going to read one chapter a day. Good, that's a good start. Right? When are you going to do it? I'm going to do it when I first wake up at 6.15 in the morning. Where are you going to do it? I'm going to do it right in bed. Or I'm going to do it in my easy chair at the kitchen table. Do you follow me? So it's, 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 not, only, it's not only setting the goal. It's, and if you look here, you look here at the chart, tell you, you might want to take a picture of this. So you could also find it on Google is I, I will do what is the actual thing that you're going to do. So I will read the Bible daily. When, when are you going to do it, right? The time, right, of the day, 6.15 in the morning, in where, you know, at the kitchen table. And then you put in a contingency plan here because sometimes life happens, right? Tom gets called into work. He didn't expect to get called into work, right? Or the baby's not feeling well. Okay, your boss calls up. He says, you know what, hey, you need to get in here right away. So then what you do is if, right, I get distracted, if something comes up and I can't do it, if something happens, then I will do it at 6 o'clock at night or maybe at 9 o'clock before I go to bed. 
Now, now again, that, that is what we call implementation intention. Just by doing that, you take your goal from 14% to 84%. And that, again, that is a, a major thing. I want to tell you this. I practice this daily with people. And I have found this to be incredibly true. Because I used to work with somebody, they hire me, they, they come to counsel with me, they here at the church, I'll roll out 10 things for them to do. You know what I found? They come back a month later, haven't done anything. Nothing. No improvement at all. But if I give them one thing to work on, and we use implementation intention, it's amazing what can happen. And I think when, when Jesus says, right, remove the log, just one thing at a time, and by removing those things, or changing those things, adding those things, you'll put yourself in a place where you'll be far more useful to the master, and you will be far more productive in being able to really go and help others. Good? Okay, we're done. Go home. No, I have a, I have a few more I want to share with you. Okay? Second one. Embrace the strawberries. Some of you have heard me talk about this before. Okay? So... Two things here about, about time that, that Jesus gives us. First thing, Matthew chapter 6, 34, Therefore do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Right? Do not worry. Right? Just, just worry is a waste of time. Right? Worry releases harmful chemicals, cortisol, uh, adrenaline. It weakens the immune system. Right now, if there's ever a time we all need our immune systems boosted, right? And all this crazy viruses and everything going around. It, it robs our bodies of, of energy and health. It robs us of peace. It robs us of joy. It stresses us out. By the way, it stresses out everybody around us. So it's totally unproductive, worry. It's, it's, it's totally unproductive. It's useless. So they, they, the psychologists, they tell us 97% of the things you worry about, things that don't ever happen. Now, now studies, I read a study from Ohio State, it said 92%, some say 99%, it's somewhere in that, in that 90% range, that 90 or you know, 7, 95, 94, of the things we worry about, they never happen to us. So it's just, we're just wasted energy. And, and the 3%, right, the remaining 3%, um, when they do happen to people, they found, and this was the Ohio State uh, University study, that it wasn't as bad as they thought. And that they were able to handle it. And, and these are not people, for the most part, I believe, in, in Christ. But they were able to handle it. So the, the idea here is, don't create imaginary horror movies in your mind of your future. Right? You, we, we all have this thing, it's called the theater of the mind. And we can create graphic pictures, right? Vivid pictures of, of things that are totally, right, they're, they're illusional, they're delusional, and we become focused on these things. And again, all they do is stress us out and they rob us. Right? They rob us of life. Uh, a second thing the Lord said in Luke chapter 9, uh, 62. Right? Now he's talking about not just looking forward and disastering your life. 
But now looking backward, so in Luke chapter 9, 62, but Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now could you imagine somebody, right, right plowing and <laughs> looking back, imagine the mess that they would make, right, instead of those nice straight furrows, right, they, they, they would be all over the place. So what the Lord is saying, you, you, you can't live today, right, by looking back at yesterday. You know, and people, the, the, the shoulda, the uda, the coulda, the woulda. It, it, again, it just robs you of life. So I use this illustration. You can't drive down the road of life looking through your rear view mirror. Right? If you try and go home today, you're looking through your rear view mirror. How long before you crash into the car in front of you? You're going to crash into a telephone pole. You're going to run a light. You're going to get a ticket. You can't, you can't drive through life right, looking through your rear view mirror. So here again, don't think about, don't focus on, don't fret about the things of the past and don't worry about the things of the future. So I'll give you a great quote. Fulton Ourself was a great, great preacher about 100 years ago. He said, we crucify ourselves between two thieves, regret for yesterday and fear of tomorrow. So I'm going to share, I'm going to share a, a story about a strawberry with you. Jeez, many, many years ago, uh, I was in, when I was in the fitness business, I'm in there, and there was a, a guy, he was a trainer, kind of d doing what I do outside the church for Pan American Airlines. Remember Pan Am? It was like the biggest airline in the world, Howard Hughes. And um, there was a Pan Am office up in Rockley, New York, and he would travel around the world basically coaching uh, the executives, okay? And he would come in the fitness center and work, and I really liked the guy. He was a great guy and um, got to know him. And, and he told me this story. It's like the last thing, the last conversation we had. I never saw him again. And, and it's a story about a man, okay, who is walking along, and suddenly he begins to be chased by a tiger. And the tiger is chasing him, and what the man does is he jumps off of a cliff and on the way down the cliff, he grabs on to a branch that's grown out of the side of the cliff. Now, he's hanging there for dear life. He looks up, and there's the tiger, right, above. And then, uh, basically, he's hanging there on the branch. And then he looks down, and at the bottom of the uh, cliff was another tiger. So he's looking up at the tiger above, looking up down at the, the tiger below. And then he looks straight ahead, and what does he see? He sees a, a, a strawberry, so again, ha hanging there, he, right, he is hanging there, and um, what does he do, right? He says, what have I got to lose, right? Looks up and sees the tiger, looks down and sees the tiger, he says, what have I got to lose? So he reaches out his hand, and he plucks the strawberry from the vine, and he bites into it. And um, he, he says, wow, that's the most delicious strawberry I've ever tasted, now, what is the, the theme of the story? Right, first, you have the tiger that was chasing him, and that's the tiger of our past. It's a paper tiger. It has no power over you, except the power you give it. And some of us give a lot of power to that tiger, right? It's bad enough you have to have a, a tragedy in your life. It's bad enough you have to have a conflict in your life, but you play it over, over and over and over again. And sometimes 
you're so good producing the movies in your mind, you should be in Hollywood because you even make them more graphic and more painful than they actually were, right? Isn't that true? And the tiger at the bottom of the cliff, again, is our imaginary tigers of the future, that worry or fear or anxiety. 97% that never happened. 3% that we can handle. Right? And find out that they weren't as bad as we thought. And the strawberry, that's the opportunity. And the opportunities that God puts into our lives every day. But we allow the paper tigers of the past, the imaginary tigers of the future, to rob us of the opportunities. And those are opportunities to love. They are opportunities to be loved by God, by others. They are opportunities to pray, opportunities to give, opportunities to learn, opportunities to serve, opportunities to meditate and to grow, to worship, to enjoy, to embrace life, the life that God has given us. He's going to place a lot of strawberries in your life every day. And don't let the tigers of the past or the tigers of the future rob you of those strawberries, right, of the moment. Third, rise above the pecking order. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Faith, do you know this verse? Yeah? This is Faith's favorite verse. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So there's, there is a, a word. Live in the newness of life. Leave the old life behind, the old ways, the old system, the old world, the old pecking order. Leave that pecking order behind. It's, it's a call to, right, to live a new life. By the way, the pecking order is always calling out to you. Join us. The pecking order is always, it's it's calling out to you, folks, it's calling out to you from your computer, it's calling out to you from your handheld device, it's calling out to you from the movies you watch from Hollywood that are on Netflix and Amazon, it's it's calling out to you from people, right? Join us, join us, Join join the pecking order. The word of God, it, it calls us to sanctify ourselves. In Joshua 3.5, and Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Sanctify means to set yourself apart. Set yourself apart from the pecking order. Set yourself apart to God, to his purpose, to his will, to his way, to his word. And separate yourself from, not only to the Lord, but from the pecking order of the world. So I'm going to tell you another story, another signature story. By the way, you know what's something interesting when you're preaching a message like this? You will probably t- tomorrow not remember the points, but I guarantee you'll remember the stories. You'll remember the stories. You'll remember the plank in the eye. You'll remember, right, the strawberry. And you're going to remember the story I just told you. Okay, that I'm about to tell you. Uh, boy, I went into the past. How did I do that? I was like, that was like deja vu again. All right. It's the story of the eagle who lived like a chicken. And it's an old Indian story. American Indian. 
that um, an eagle's egg falls out of the nest of the eagle and it falls basically into the nest of a prairie chicken. So in time, those eggs hatch and the eagle grows up thinking that he's a chicken. He learns to walk like a chicken. He learns to talk like a chicken. You ever see a chicken try to fly? It's really a pitiful thing, right? They, 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 they flutter their wings. He's an eagle and he flutters his wings like a chicken you know, they get off the ground a few feet. By the way, that's, that's why you, you, you could leave here and go to Popeye's Chicken or Kentucky Fried Chicken. They do not have Kentucky Fried Eagle. So he, he grows up thinking he's a chicken. He gets caught up in the pecking order of the chicken. He eats bugs like a chicken. He hunts worms like a chicken. And he grows old believing that he's a chicken. And one day, as an, as an old eagle who believes he's a chicken, he's out on the plane and he looks up and for the first time, he sees in the sky his brother eagles, right? Floating on the wings of the wind. And he's captivated, he's inspired. It's like when, when we see someone performing something incredible, but doesn't it, I mean, it could be an athlete, it could be a, a, a musician, you know, Pavarotti, Carreras, you know, they, they bring tears to you. Somebody has such, a, a, you know, was it Josh Groban? They have such a gift from God. Well, he's he's looking up and he's having that experience as he looks at at these eagles just just again floating through the sky. And one of his brother chickens says, "Hey, pal, what are you looking at?" He goes, "Look, look at that beautiful bird." And his friend says, that's an eagle, the greatest of all of God's birds. The greatest. And he stands there looking up, tears coming down his cheeks. And then his little chicken friend, he tapped his little chicken feathers against his broad eagle shoulders and he says, forget about it, pal. You'll never be like that. You're just an old chicken. Come on. Let's go looking for some bugs. Let's go hunt for some worms. And the great eagle dropped his head and dropped his shoulders and he went back to the pecking order to eat bugs, to hunt for worms when he was created to soar into the sun and float on the wings of the wind. Now that's a story about us. And by the way, the Bible, the Bible makes this fun. I say this to people all the time. The two greatest revelations in Scripture is the revelation of who God is. There's nothing like it. You will not find it even closely by any religion or philosophy. The second great revelation in the scriptures is who we are. As who we are outside of Christ and who we are inside of Christ. Our identity in Christ. How many of you, you know you were created in the image and likeness of God? wonderfully and marvelously made, created a little lower than the angels and crowned with glory and honor. Like trees that have been planted by streams of living water that are to produce their fruit in season, that everything you do would prosper and that your leaves would never wither of such value that you have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, that Jesus Christ would come to this earth and die for you to save you and to bring you into relationship with him. And he calls you saints and ambassadors 
children of God, sons and daughters of God. He calls you priests, a royal priesthood, a kingdom of priests. He calls you kings. That is who we are in Christ. What does the pecking order do? The pecking order tries to pull you away into the world. To live like chickens. To live like chickens. What will I be in 2023? A chicken or an eagle? Will I settle into the pecking order? Or will I rise up to my true identity in Christ and live, right? Like a saint. Like the light of the world. Like the salt of the earth. Or shall I live like a clod of aches and pains, complaints at how unfair the world is, right? That's a choice in 2023. Let me get the last one. Feed your good wolf. Galatians chapter 5, 16 and 17, it says, I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. What it does is a clear picture. We have a higher nature, spiritual nature, or a lower nature, the fleshly nature. The fleshly word there is sarks in the Greek. Sinful nature, it's the old man. It's the lower nature. And then Galatians goes on and it gives us a a description of the, the actual produce, the fruit of of these two natures. So in verse 19 of chapter uh, 5, now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambition, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But then notice the fruits of the higher nature of the spiritual life. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Then the question, the question becomes, which nature will you allow to dominate your life in 2023? So there's a, a grandpa and he's sitting with his grandson And he says to his grandson, I have two wolves inside of me. One is good, one is evil. And they're constantly battling with each other. Have you found that to be true? (laughs) Am I the only one? And so the the little boy looks at grandpa and he says, he says, grandpa, which one will win? And grandpa said, the one I feed. Which nature are you going to feed? The spiritual nature? Right? Or the fleshly, evil nature. How do, we, how do we feed our spiritual nature? I don't know about you. I'm always asking quite. When, I, when I'm, I mean, any book I'm reading, people I'm listening to, I mean, I drive, I drive people crazy sometimes because I'm always asking questions. So they say, well, this is what you should do. Well, how do you do that? Right? And my, my sensei that I, that I train with, I drive him nuts. Every, at the end of every class, I've got 10 questions I ask him. So it's great. He says, do this, but explain to me how. Explain to me how I am supposed to do that. So how do I actually feed my higher nature? I want to give you something. Romans 8, 
5 through 6. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Essentially, what it's talking about is what you think about. If you want to set your mind on the Spirit, you need to think about those spiritual things. If you want to set your mind on the flesh, then you're thinking about the fleshly things. Here's another great passage, Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, that talks about this. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, what does it say? Meditate on these things. Think about these things. Think that some wonderful things there that you can be you can be filling your mind with. So I had a guy that I came across geez, many years ago, Wilfred Peterson. He lived to be ninety-five years old. And um Wilfred is a inspiration. I ended up I ended up speaking to him. He he wrote a lot of articles for Christian magazines and for, I think he wrote for Charis, the Charismatic uh, Charisma magazine, for Christianity Today, for Success magazine. And um, when he was 95, I talked to him one day and it really inspired me. I said, Wilfred, what are you doing? He said, well, I just finished my devotional readings and I worked out. He was 95. He died at 95. But he, he was this incredibly inspirational man and um, he wrote, he wrote a, a book called Creative Thinking. I think it's out of print, but if you can find it, let me tell you, it's a gem. Creative Thinking. He wrote a book called Creative Marriage, too, which is a w- wonderful book. But he, he taught me these, the, the, I'll share these three things with you. One, it comes to our mind, one is saturation. Saturate your mind. Just as it says in Philippians chapter, right, 4 verse 8. Saturate your mind with, with the good, with, with the noble, Right? With the praiseworthy, and, and listen, we, we, you're in a Bible church, right? Saturate your mind with the Word of God, but saturate your mind with, with inspirational books. Saturate your mind listening to inspirational people, right? Saturate your mind listening to inspirational music, music that, that literally lifts, you know, lifts your soul. It was Francis Schaeffer, if you want to read somebody again, Francis Schaeffer, great Christian. Francis Schaeffer felt that the redemption of the human soul was something that obviously God did through Jesus Christ, through the Spirit. But he talked about the, the redemption of the mind with the literature that we read. And, and the, 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 the redemption of the heart by listening to wonderfully inspiring music and and by meditating on wonderful pieces of art, the, you know the, the great pieces of art. Think think about that again. This is probably something very foreign to many of you because you live with this little thing that basically shrinks your mind. It shrinks your spirit. Sorry, you, you may not like that. You spend hours looking at this thing, listening to things that just make you smaller, instead of things that will will really enlarge you. But the, the concept, saturate yourself. Every day, saturate yourself with things that are noble and things that are loyal and things that are inspirational and things that are going to just inspire you and motivate you and compel you 
So what, what he taught me was, when saturation happens, then you have what's called incubation. What happens when something is incubated? Right, it gets bigger, right? So once you fill your mind with these wonderfully inspiring things, then you go to bed. Or you give yourself some leisure time. He, t he talks about just lazy leisure, where you just relax. You go for a walk. You, you walk through the woods. And while you're doing that, the mind never stops working. You realize your mind is working all the time. Your, your subconscious mind is working when you're sleeping. But you put in all these good things. And now it incubates and it enlarges. And then when it enlarges, you have illumination. Enlightenment. You know, the, uh, the people from the East boast about enlightenment by sitting and emptying your mind of all things. God, be careful, you know, emptying your mind of all things. The Lord, you know, I mean, what, what may come in. God knows what may come in. And, uh, but the, the idea of illumination, right, is, is when God inspires us. And suddenly this, this, this wisdom, this, this knowledge suddenly takes hold of your life and your heart. And that brings permanent change. Saturation, incubation, right? Illumination. So let me give you the wrap-up, our keynotes. Just a, a few key things to remember. And that is, as you go through 2023, remove your logs. Can you think of a log right now that you need to remove? One log. Maybe it's one habit you need to establish. Maybe it's one thing that you need to remove that could make all the difference. You're going to go after that with a game plan, with implementation intention for the month of January. One thing. One thing that could change your life. Second is, remember the strawberries. Embrace them. God places multiple strawberries in your life. They're blessings. Don't allow the paper tiger of the past and the illusionary tiger of the future to rob you of the strawberries of the present. You know what, I was reviewing this this morning and um, Rachel and the kids stayed over last night and uh, they were all getting ready to go to church and little Giancarlo, he was, um, he was playing and he was playing, like when he plays, he's... he's he plays with, with tremendous animation, little six-year-old boy, right? And he's playing with soldiers and he's yelling and running around and he's doing his thing and it's really loud. And I'm sitting, focusing on that present moment because I have to come and do this very important thing, right? Preach the word. And I just stopped and I, I said, what am I thankful for right now? And I'm thankful that my grandson is here with me. And I'm thankful that my grandson is healthy. And he's alive. And he's animated. And though he's making a lot of noise and disturbing me, right? I could stop and I could just enjoy the strawberry. And I plucked the strawberry from the vine and I bit into it. And then suddenly I had no problem coming back and focusing. But those strawberries are going to come to you. Don't let the tigers rob them. Third, 
right? Sanctify yourself. Separate from the packing order. The packing order, it just, it, it pulls you down. Be careful what you're listening to, who you're allowing to speak into your life, but you were created to be eagles, not chickens. Rise up, soar like an eagle, fly into the sun in 2023, float on the wings of the wind. And then the last is feed your good wolf. Saturate him with inspiring, motivational things. Let it incubate and live an illuminated life in 2023. Amen? May Jesus be your king. May Jesus be your Lord. May Jesus be your Savior. He does have plans for you to bless you. Get in harmony with him to receive those blessings. Amen? Cool. Stand with me and we'll close. Father, thank you for your word. I thank you for this word that you've given me, Lord God. It's, it's been a word, Lord God, that's long. It's long been incubating in me, Lord God. Many years. I pray, Lord God, that, that it would just be received and harnessed and applied. Because I know, Lord God, it will bring, it will bring much blessing into everyone's life who is here today and those who hear it. For in Jesus' name we pray this, amen.